0: Hello and welcome to Built on Blockchain, bite sized interviews about businesses that are innovating with blockchain technology. Today I'm talking to Ingo Ruber from Kilt.
1: Yeah, so I'm Ingo. I'm a computer scientist. Um, I studied in Berlin. Um, I had my first startup in the '90s of the last century, so I'm pretty old. Uh, I'm uh, then after selling the startup in 2000, I made an industry career in diverse publishing houses like Axel Springer, Border. Um, was the CTO of Borda. Uh, in in the end, basically, uh, I came around blockchain in 2015 with Ethereum, uh, and then noticed, okay, this is going to be important, uh, and I. At the time, I was um, a CTO of Boulder, and uh, I went to the group board and said, this is going to be important for us, and uh, we have to do something uh, in this field, and uh, then we decided to found a company to do uh, valuable things with blockchains, and this is, was then in January 2018, when we founded uh, Kill Protocol and Bot Labs together, uh, and yeah, and now I'm here.
0: Great, thank you so much. Now, can you tell me um, a little bit about KILT? What was the vision when you set it up three and a half years ago?
1: Yeah, The vision was uh, to build a system which supports uh, digital identity. Uh, And uh, maybe I have to explain a little bit around what actually identity is, um, because people mix it up. Uh, So identity consists of two things, basically. The first thing that you need uh, to uh, anchor an identity is actually an identifier, but identifier is not the same as an identity. An identifier would for in this call for me, uh, for for example, uh, uh, Ingo would be a nice identifier For me, because when somebody says Ingo, then I say, here I am. Uh, But this doesn't say anything about me. That's not my identity. That's just an identifier. And um, then uh, in the real world, when I want to grow an identity around that, I add credentials. So one credential could be a passport. So I have a German passport. So that makes it a German Ingo. And then I could also have something like a university diploma. and then it's a computer scientist, which is German, which is English, which grows more identity. But it can also add, for example, my library card, because that makes that is part of my identity. I'd like to go to this library, obviously. Um, so in, in the real world, um, identities consists of two things. Uh, it's credentials, which are normally issued by uh, uh, trusted entities like the library, like the government, like a church, like your employer, um, many, many uh, possibilities, universities, of course, <clears throat> Those uh, trusted entities issue credentials, and then they are all linked to the identifier because all my credentials that I have in my wallet um, are, uh, they they all bear the name Ingo, right? So that that can be attached to my identifier. And this is how you build an identity. And this is also needed for the digital world. And in the digital world, there is no protocol for that. There is no, right now, there there is nothing uh, that we could actually use to build uh, such identities and uh this is what we are here for we're building this and we are then opening uh, opening it and making it accessible for basically everyone
0: great thank you so much Um, and so what uh so obviously in today's platform economy platforms actually are busy collecting a huge amount of information about us all as users how uh is kilt and your your protocol your technology how is it changing that
1: yeah, so in, when, when I, I explained the, the, the old credential process, the, the paper process. And when you look at the current internet, which we call the web 2, um, then you see that it works completely different, right? When you, uh, uh, when, when you go, when build your, um, your identity in the internet, it's in the first thing is you probably sign up with Facebook or something like that. And then you have a username and a password. That's not really an identity. That's just an identifier, right? And then your identity starts growing by your behavior on the platform. And uh, all the data about that is stored on the platform, which is pretty strange because for a couple of hundred years, we have learned that if I get a credential, I get it myself, I put it in my wallet, i put it in my safe, I put it in my drawer. And then I decide who I show it to later, right? And with the platform economy, what we do is uh, there's a platform collecting the credentials for me. um, And I don't even know which credentials they have. And then when I sign sign up to, uh, I don't know, another service like whatsapp then the service gives me the possibility to sign up with Facebook and what they do is they uh, they ask credentials uh, whatsapp st- starts to ask for credentials at Facebook and they're giving them information about me and I don't, don't even know which information <laughs> and then I'm signed up and, that, and that's pretty crazy because I'm losing completely control over my my data right and uh, the fun thing is that other people start earning money on my data and uh, this is something that uh, is obviously so convenient that it is okay for a lot of people. But what we recognized is that it's definitely not okay for industry. Because when you think it's it's not only people having identities, now more and more also services like cloud services and IoT devices do have an identity. So an, an IoT device could, for example, be compatible to something else, or it could be compliant to some rule. And those credentials should actually be attached to the IoT device itself. If they sit with a huge American platform, uh, then we have the problem that um, and that they actually control the value of the product, which is not acceptable for industry. So this is why we said uh, we have to um, make a difference here. We, make, uh, we have to make a different approach here where it is possible that the claimer it the claimer, which is the person who actually collects the credentials, so it's, it would be me for my passport, it would be the IoT device for this compliance certificate, uh, where the claimer actually has the control again, like in the paper world, uh, over its credentials, so that I can, if I have a digital passport, if I have a digital library card, that I decide when to show it, who to show it to, and what part of the credential I actually would like to show. So giving back the sovereignty over the credentials to the individuals actually is the goal.
0: Can you just describe now why it's important that um, that this capability is built uh, on a blockchain protocol rather than any other?
1: So the, the basic um, thing of claiming uh, something Uh, getting a certificate, storing the certificate, and then sending it to somebody who wants to look at it, this works totally fine without a blockchain. You don't need a blockchain for that. But there's one thing in this workflow which is really complicated. When you think about your driver's license, which is a paper credential, uh, if you di- drive really crazy, uh, a policeman might come and say, uh, give me your driver's license, you better shouldn't drive. So they can take the physical credential away from you. Now, if that would have been a digital driver's license, then uh, how can the policeman take it away? You can always keep a copy of it, right? <laughs> and uh, so digital credential is really hard to take away from you. And uh, this is why we need to make a little bit of a trick, and the trick is that uh, the issue of the credential uh, makes a hash, do to have it's it's uh, a, a, a checksum basically, a checksum of your um, of your credential and has to store it somewhere, and uh, then the, uh, the the policeman who looks at your uh, your driver's license can take your credential and make the same process with it. So it, also has the checksum and then look it up in a database and see is it. There is it valid, and give the issue the possibility to make it invalid. That that's what you have to do. Now you this. Now where do you store those hashes? Where do you store the checksums? Uh, if you take a central database for that, or a company, maybe. Facebook again uh, then that would be a, a huge problem because when there's lots and lots of credentials in there um, then this company becomes even more dangerous than Facebook is today uh, because it could actually tell everyone okay now you have to pay a license fee and otherwise I will revoke all the credentials right <laughs> so that would be really dangerous so there must be an entity where you store those validity credential uh, of the credentials which has to be absolutely neutral not be owned by a government not be owned by company not be owned by anyone and uh, i see only one c- technology out there uh, which can supply that and this is a permissionless blockchain so there must be this thing to get this to, to get the truth into the system so we need truth inside the system and this truth may not be n- manipulated by anyone and not even by uh, by people or companies who collate to uh, um or collude, sorry, or collude to uh, uh, to change something on that.
0: Great, thank you. Um, so you mentioned permissionless uh, blockchains. Can you just describe, as briefly as you can, the difference between a permissionless blockchain and uh, another a private blockchain?
1: Yeah, so uh, there, there's basically permission blockchains and there's permissionless blockchains, so the difference is uh, actually pretty easy. Um, uh, permission uh, blockchain, uh, there's, uh, you have to ask somebody uh, to, to be one of the guys who run the blockchain. So blockchain is basically uh, a lot of people having the same book and, write and finding consensus on what they write into the book and then they copy it again and then everyone has the same book again. Um, And uh, if you do this in a permissioned way, uh, then uh, if I now want to be part of this system, I have to ask the others and they will let me in or not. And uh, in a permissionless blockchain, I can just go and say, now I'm part of the system. And if this is possible, then it is not controlled anymore by an entity. It's not controlled by anyone. It just is common good. And if it is common good, then uh, it produces the truth because anyone can be in there. It cannot be manipulated. It cannot be censored anymore because no one can keep other people out for reading it or even for writing into it. Right? The the consensus of all the people actually determines the truth. It's not. Uh, it's, it's there's no boss in the system anymore. And uh, this this is actually a huge difference uh, because the permission blockchains. Uh, they are in, in the end, uh, most of the applications you can do with that could also be done by a database or with a distributed database. So permission blockchains are more of a distributed database, uh, while permissionless blockchains are actually independent entities and uh, they just produce the truth out of it.
0: Okay, great. Um, And uh, can you now just tell us a little bit about how far you've got with Kilt? You said you, uh, you set it up three and a half years ago. Um, Where have you got to and what's the vision for the future?
1: So where have we gotten so um, first, the first year was basically research because this uh, it's, it sounds so easy, uh, we just make a digital passport. Um, it's it's far more complicated than you think so uh, we, we took the first year of uh, research and then we took a couple of years of implementation. And now we are at a stage where we are actually ready to go live, we are waiting for some technical stuff which is uh, we, we are part of the pocket ecosystem don't know if you heard about that, and uh, we are. Um, we want to become a parachain which uh, makes extra security for us and also more interoperability and we want to be part of this ecosystem and uh, so and we can't become a parachain today because uh, there's uh, things not ready there but we think that maybe in the next one or two months we will be able to uh, become such a parachain and then we just go live so the software is ready
0: Turning now to European policymakers and indeed other policymakers around the world. Um, if they are wanting to support this kind of innovation, which as we've heard from you could bring enormous benefits in terms of people taking back control of their identities and companies indeed, and industry, um, what should policymakers be doing in your view to facilitate and uh, assist and support the, this kind of innovation?
1: I think the first thing is understanding that we are not taking away anything. Uh, we are just do, we are just digitizing workflows. So no one wants to take away the uh, the power of an issue of a passport and put this on the blockchain by I don't know the crowd decides who has a passport or not. We are just uh, what we are doing is just we're, we're building a protocol for doing things that already are being done in the non-so digital world and help to digitize it so we're not taking away uh, the the work of the guy who issues the passport we're just facilitating him uh, with a new piece of technology I think this is the first thing that has to be understood so this is not working against the government Um, so and and there's there's a lot of yeah, fear around that. Right? And so that's, I think, the most important thing uh, that uh, comes up. The second thing <clears throat> would be maybe um, uh, EIDAS. Uh, I don't know if everybody heard about that. That's a European thing that we have, which always requires a central entity for a data storage. And this is going uh, against the logic, I would say, because we have learned in the last at least 10 years uh, that uh, if you want to secure a system, it is much better to have a decentralized than centralized. And uh, does is basically uh, requiring a centralized uh, entity. And this does not produce trust. So when you look at uh, e- even older blockchain systems like uh, Bitcoins, and they, there's, there's billions and trillions, I don't know, uh, of, of euros locked in the system, right? Because, uh, and, and uh, people obviously trust them. And it's a completely decentralized system. Try to rebuild this on EIDAS laws, you will have a system which is worth nothing, right? So th- this is where the, sec- the security comes from, the decentralization and not from the centralization. So we have to get rid of that. Um, uh, now that this is probably very unpopular because everybody likes regulations and uh it's it's there and so practical and you can just uh, be i uh, can obey the regulation uh but i think this is definitely hindering innovation in europe uh so we should work against that thing uh, even if it takes it will probably take a while
0: okay great thank you so much ingo ruber from kilt thank you for joining me today uh, that's been a very interesting conversation